This is Tennis Quick Tips, Episode 104. Hey, it's Kim from TennisFixation.com. I'm your host for the Tennis Quick Tips podcast. With each episode, Tennis Quick Tips brings you a quick and easy tip to improve your game and to make sure you're having fun every time you step on court. I'm excited about this episode because I am interviewing someone I have been a fan of for a long time. Today, I'm going to be talking with Ian Westerman, of Essential Tennis. Ian is a tennis instructor with a lot of experience working with all kinds of students, but what first made me aware of him was his Essential Tennis podcast, and I wouldn't be a a bit surprised if a lot of you are already fans of that. Anyway, I've been listening to Ian for a long time. I have been a follower of his work online. He has a great YouTube channel. I've even participated in some of his online courses, and I met him in person at the Tennis Congress about two years ago. So it had always been my hope to be able to interview him for Tennis Quick Tips, and I guess I shouldn't have been the least bit surprised because he's such a nice guy that as soon as I asked him, He said yes and made time for me. So the topic I interviewed Ian about is something that I myself really wanted to know more about and hope to make a bigger part of my own doubles play. We talked about the eye formation in tennis, and I'm going to let the interview go into all the details on that. Suffice it to say that I think by the end of this interview, you're going to feel like I do, that this is something you really need to be trying out on court and convincing your partners to participate with you in it. So without any further introduction by me, here's my interview with Ian Westerman of Essential Tennis. Well, I am talking today to Ian Westerman of Essential Tennis. Ian is a tennis pro who I have followed for a long time because he has an incredible online website. He does fantastic video instruction that is available both for free on his website and on his YouTube channel. He does video uh, courses and a lot of other uh, online courses. And he has an incredible podcast called Essential Tennis that's really where I first started getting interested in the podcast world was through the Essential Tennis podcast. So I'm really happy that Ian agreed to be interviewed today. And Ian, can you give my Tennis Fixation listeners some background about yourself for those who might, although I find it hard to believe that they, there might be people who don't already know all about you. Hey Kim, sure. Uh, that's very kind of you. I appreciate it, and thanks for uh, for having me on your show. There's not enough people doing content like this online within the tennis community in general. So, uh, congratulations on your podcast. You you just went over a hundred episodes, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, which honestly, when I first started out, I really was like. I don't even know if I can do 50 episodes. <laughs> what could I possibly have to say about tennis? But 
yeah, as you probably already have known for quite a while, there's a lot to say. You never run out of stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so I started my website back in 2008, and it began with the Essential Tennis Podcast. I started that before the website even launched. And in 2011, I quit my full-time job as a teaching professional to pursue the website full-time. And now I have two full-time employees helping me out. Um, We have the number one tennis podcast on iTunes, the number one tennis instruction uh, YouTube channel. And we're just working hard to put out as much helpful tennis instruction as possible in whatever whatever format and uh, whatever platform people are are uh, gravita- gravitating towards. Well, you really have covered it all. I've gotten personally so much out of what you've put out just for free, the content yeah. you have that's easily available online. But I don't know if you remember, I worked with you one time at the Tennis Congress. I do. Um, <laughs> you do, because I remember I was very adamant about I don't care what Ian Westerman is teaching. Get me in so I can meet him and uh, meet him in person and and get to work with him. So I really enjoyed that they let me uh, work in your class. It was a serve class, and it was like almost every other tennis player. I always need help with my serve, yep. so it was a really fun class. Well, what we're talking about today is something that I did ask you to talk about because it is something that I personally uh, need help with. I haven't used it a lot, but I knew that someone with your level of experience would have some good tips, advice, and insight on it. And it's the eye formation in doubles. And I personally play, um, I would say my doubles is kind of intermediate to high intermediate but I have avoided the eye formation the very few times I've actually used it in matches. I think uh, it probably confused me more than it did my <laughs> opponents. And so, but I do know it's um, a great tactic to use if done correctly. And I would certainly like to uh, try it out more this season. So I thought you'd be a great person to help me and all the other tennis players like me out there who kind of know what it is, but don't really know what the heck we're doing. Sure. So, so maybe first, can you explain just what the eye formation is for all of us who may not be exactly sure what we're talking about? Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, the eye formation is called that simply because it's a starting position in doubles where the serving player and the serving player's partner are basically in line with each other right down the middle of the court. So a server will be lined up right right up next to the hash mark, typically, or maybe a little bit away from the hash mark, meaning right in the middle of the baseline, and his or her partner will be typically crouching right over the center service line. So so the serving players serving serving players partner are in line with each other, basically creating a perpendicular line with the net in the baseline, hence uh, eye formation. The eye. And the point is, I guess you don't know of those two players, the server and the server's partner who's up at the net, you don't know the opponents which way they're going to go, who's going to do what. In other words, it's it's a tactic where, to some extent, 
you're trying to um, get in the returning team's head, I guess, is one way to say it. Yeah. Well, here's here's the way I view the I formation and the Australian formation and even the, the double back formation as the returning uh, team. Here's, I guess here's the crux of the matter. The crux of the matter is when you look at club tennis or amateur tennis, those of us that are just regular players, 99% of amateur level doubles points are played in, the, in exactly the same way. Uh, both sides start one up, one back, and they predominantly stay one up, one back. And a little bit higher levels, you'll see the, the back person getting a little bit more confidence in closing into the net and having both players up at the net. But for the most part, <laughs> doubles across the board is played in the same predictable manner. And so anytime that we use the I formation or Australian formation or double back formation, basically the whole point is to break away from that predictable pattern and... As you said, Kim, we're, yeah, absolutely trying to get into the heads of our opponents by giving them a different look and getting them out of their comfort zone and forcing them to do something different than what they've been doing up until this point, both in this match and probably throughout their entire tennis career. Right. So having said that, when do you use the eye formation and that that's probably a pretty uh, open question. There's mm-hmm. probably a lot of a lot of times you could use it. Um, probably you can use it all the time. But when do you like to recommend to players? And I'm just talking again about intermediate level players. To now it's time to try the I formation. Sure. Yeah. There's two two main reasons why you would want to use the I formation or the Australian formation. Reason number one would be when your opponents are really grooving on the return of serve. And the reason why I formation can be so effective is it puts a huge element of doubt in the mind of the returning player because he or she doesn't know which side is going to be the open side. The, the returner's first and most important job is to avoid the serving player's partner, the person at the net on the other side with his or her return. So if we can put that, you know, seed of doubt in their mind about which side of the court is going to be the open side where they can freely avoid the net player, that adds just a huge element of extra difficulty and uncertainty and just makes it that much more challenging for them. And again, we're breaking up their routine and their rhythm and forcing them to do something different. And the best time to do that, so for me, this is the number one time, would be when the returning player is just really hitting amazing return, return after amazing return, really grooving, feeling good, and just kind of dominating with the return. And so it's a way that you can sort of break up the momentum of that returner who's doing a great job. Uh, and doing a great job just in general or doing a great job hitting a really good cross-court return? Well, it, it could be either one. Um, 
in my experience, not a whole lot of amateur players use the poach very often or very effectively mm -hmm. either. Maybe they'll try it once, and if it doesn't work, they're like, oh, okay, all right, let's just go back to let's go back to regular double, right. you know, quote regular doubles, uh, and just play the standard, you know, straight up doubles points. So the I formation is a way of really forcing the issue. We're letting that returner know before the serve is even struck. Listen, you can't just rely on whatever old faithful has been for you throughout the course of this match, you now have a choice to make. <laughs> and you don't know, you cannot take for granted everything that you've been taking for granted up until this point in the match. It really throws a wrench in the middle of things. Right. And part of the value of the I formation is you don't know if that net person, and consequently you don't know about the server either, if they're going to, which direction they're going to break. In right. other words, they aren't always going to break and cut off the cross-court return. They could, it could all go either way. Correct. That's part of what you're doing. So I guess where I personally get confused with this and, um, and my, uh, partner probably gets even more confused because they're just like, what do you, what do you want me to do here? You need to know the serving team. You need to know who's going where, yep. right? Yeah. Communication is absolutely critical because if you and your partner are not on the same page, then you're absolutely right. It's almost, it's almost just as much of a detriment to you as it is a detriment to the returning player. So communication is key. And I recommend talking before the point starts and also using signals as well. Uh, and, so, and this is kind of another one of my pet peeves is how infrequently amateur players use signals at all. Uh, at the very least, you should be talking and setting, up, setting it up uh, before the point starts. But I like confirming the plan with uh, signals as well. And that way you can use the I formation for second serve as well. And you don't have to go through the trouble of having to remember like six or eight different things for both, you know, for both serves, it's just not very practical. So signals are huge and communication in general is huge. Okay. So, um, when you're talking about communicating, you should be getting straight between you. Uh, the serve is going to go here and you're going to break to this side. You, this right. is between the, the serve or, you know, whichever way it's going to go. And, on using hand signals, can you give examples of just what kind of simple signals people could could adopt that, you know, doesn't require a lot of brain power in the middle of a match to, to apply hand signals? Yeah, that's key. Simplicity is key because it just makes it that much easier and therefore that much more likely that you're actually going to do it. And we actually just published a video. Uh, if you go to YouTube and type in doubles hand signals, we, we have a video on our YouTube channel that shows this, but I can describe it easily enough. Uh, basically, the first signal is going to be the serve location. And for this, I always use my index finger to point in one direction. So let's just imagine with me for a second that, Kim, you're serving on the deuce side. I'm your partner at the net. For a, an out wide serve, I would point my index finger I'm left-handed, so I have my right, my right hand behind okay. my back. So uh, I would point my index finger out to your left to indicate a wide serve. I would use my pinky finger in the other direction to indicate aiming right down the T. And I would use my middle finger to indicate aiming for a body serve. So out to the left, out to the right, 
and right down the middle are the three possibilities for uh, for the kick. I'm sorry, for the uh, serve signal. And then after you've confirmed uh, audibly with me, either yes or no, and we're set as a team as far as where you're going to aim your serve, then I would either point to the right or to the left with again either my index finger or my pinky finger, and that would just simply signal I'm going to cover to the left or I'm going to cover to the right. I, it's a mistake to use poach or stay terminology in my opinion because it just really overcomplicates things. Uh, if you just signal to your serving partner behind you that you're going to go left or right, in my opinion, that's the simplest way to do it. And the interesting thing is that what you just said is very simple, but the person who's really making the decisions there is the net player, not the server. Well, the server, think of it this way, and I don't, I don't know how much, well, you, pretty much everybody listening is going to know enough about baseball to know uh, this analogy. It's basically like a pitcher-catcher mentality right. where the catcher is giving the signals, the catcher is the net player, but the pitcher is in the driver's seat. The pitcher can nod off his signal, uh, meaning shake his head left and right and say, no, I don't want that, in which case the, the catcher will show another signal. And the pitcher can either nod yes and uh, accept that that signal or, again, shake it off and say, no, I, I want a different signal. So it's kind of the same relationship there where a uh, net player is providing an option, but the serving player ultimately is the one that's going to say yes or no after each signal that's given. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Yeah. So obviously you have to have a good relationship with your partner mm -hmm. and communicate and you have to both fully be committed to doing this. Just like uh, any for, other successful for, partnership. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, tell me your thoughts on, okay, let's say we get the eye formation down. We, we know the signals. We know what's going to happen. Should the server be coming in or are they sort of giving up the advantage of the eye formation if the server then stays back? It definitely does not give up the advantage if the serving player stays back. The serving player definitely does not, it's not required. The serving player does not have to serve in volley. For, I mean, for me personally, I'm just a very, my style of doubles is just very smash mouth and aggressive. So I'm going to serve in volley regardless. But the, the main benefit here is that uncertainty for the returning player about which side of the court the serving player's partner is going to be covering. That's the, that's the main thing here. And so as long as you and your partner are on the same page, you're communicating well, you're covering your respective you know, sides of the court correctly, you're still getting a huge value out of the eye formation, even if there's not serving, serving volleying happening. Okay. And that person, the net player, the server's partner who's up at the net, the real value here is not only that they make the move, but they have to be ready to go for it. Like to oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not just make the move, but to actually do something, get the poach. Get, and so it, the, the net person can really determine how uh, ultimately successful this can be by their willingness to be aggressive is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I think this is just an, an overarching foundational attitude 
that all of your listeners should have as doubles players. When you are in that net position, well, let me start with this. Let me be very clear by saying that as the partner of your uh, of the serving player, you have a huge responsibility as to the outcome of that game. In other words, whether or not your partner holds serve has a lot to do with whether or not you do your job at the net. I think there's a lot of times an attitude that, oh man, her serve kept getting broken over and over again. Well, a lot of that falls on your shoulders as the player at the net. And the best attitude to have as that player is just simply to be looking uh, every single time the ball is struck, especially by a baseline player, aka the returning player on the other side. Anytime the ball is struck over on the other side, especially by a baseline player, you should be looking to get your racket on that ball whenever humanly possible because you are in the attacking position. You are in the offensive position. And so if you are tentative and passive and letting a lot of balls go by and you're not actively looking to get your racket on as many balls as possible, then you are just not supporting your serving partner the way that you should be. Yeah, I I love to hear that because I like to be aggressive when I'm up at the net and I like my partners to be aggressive. Mm -hmm. I think though there are a lot of players out there who worry about well, if I'm aggressive and I miss it uh-huh. or I blow it, my partner's going to be mad at me. I try to tell my partners, just go. You're not ever going to make me mad by being aggressive. But it's a message that uh, it's hard to get it out there. And I think a lot of um, people hold back because they're fearful of not being successful and somehow upsetting their partners. But um, I, I say go for it. So especially if you're going to be doing something like this eye formation. Well, um, before we we wrap up talking about this, early on you talked about also the Australian formation. Yeah. So just to be clear, can you say the difference between the eye formation and the Australian formation? Yeah, sure. And this is – the eye formation can be really intimidating. And the Australian formation – it doesn't quite throw a wrench in the middle of things like the I formation does, but it does force the returning player to do something different. And, and so it can be very, very useful and very, very effective without being quite as difficult to pull off as the I formation. So the Australian formation, the, the serving player, again, starts right next to the hash mark, right close to the, the middle of the baseline, as opposed to a traditional serving position, which, which is out near the alley. And instead of the server's partner lining up in the diagonal box uh, from them, in other words, if your partner is serving on the deuce side, you would be in the um, the add side box. You're going to line up on the same side of the court. So if your if your partner is serving on the deuce side of the baseline, just a little bit to the right of the hash mark, then you as their partner are going to be lined up in the deuce side service box. So right in front of them. Basically, we want to to be as close to the middle of the court as possible, right up next to the center service line, as far as we can, without blocking the server's view Mm -hmm. of the service box that they're aiming for. So this has 
a couple advantages over I formation in that it's much more simple. There's no pressure by the serving player about having to hit directly over the head of his or her partner. So that kind of takes away a little bit of anxiety. And there's also not the physical challenge in the I formation. It's necessary as the server's partner to get down nice and low so that your head is below the height of the net to make a clean path for your partner to serve potentially right over you. And in the Aussie formation, we don't have to worry about either of those two things, but we're still totally changing the look for the returning player and totally forcing them to do something different, which is, again, the, the big main benefit of the I formation as well. So you're just, uh, you're just a little bit more over towards um, the side that your partner's on that service box as opposed to like you said being in the opposite uh side of the court now you're making it clear you're covering that side right and it's forcing the returner to either go down the line or hit a lob return or um just something different something different exactly yeah okay well this has been very helpful for me and ian i am not even gonna um tell you how many of my partners are not going to be happy with me in the next few weeks because I am going to force people to do this with me just because I do agree. I mean, as I said at the beginning, I myself, when I do the I formation, I start getting confused. I think I have it straight now, but I am sure when people on, um, when I'm playing against someone who does this, the first thing I start going is, oh my gosh, what's happening? Why have they done that? What's wrong with my return? Was I doing something good? Or, you know, it immediately as the returner makes you start questioning everything you've done. Yep. So for no other reason, whether they're, whether they're hitting these incredible returns or not, it's worth it just to, uh, just to throw them off a little bit. Yeah, so absolutely. thank you. And I, thank I you would... from... I for would encourage me, I... you, uh, Kim, to start start with the Aussie because it's much more simple. Yeah. Uh, the communication is very simplified. It, it's You kind of go back to a poach or stay kind of uh, plan as opposed to with the eye formation, there's there's always something going on. You know, there's kind of crossing yeah. from side to side. The Aussie is much more straightforward and uh, kind of a lot more simple to wrap your head around. Okay, yeah, maybe people won't desert being my partner if I start them out with that simpler one. Well, thank you so much, Ian. Before we go, can you tell my Tennis Fixation listeners where they can find more of your tennis instruction or where they can get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. The kind of the hub or the main place for everything is at our main website, which is EssentialTennis.com. Uh, we post our audio podcast there. We post our instructional videos there. Um, but also, depending on where people like to get their, their content from, you can subscribe to us on YouTube or on iTunes, or we're now doing several Periscopes uh, per, per day as well. Kim, I know you're jumping on Periscope as well. Yes. Which is I, a lot of fun. I love it because, I mean, I, I've loved yours because the ability to ask questions as it's happening or yeah. make comments. I I didn't think I was going to be that into it, but I love it. Cool. So yeah, we, we basically try to be everywhere. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, we try to publish as much as we possibly can to be helpful to your, you know, your average uh, 
amateur tennis player, which is who we are targeting with pr pretty much everything that we make. Well, thanks very much. I, as I said, have benefited so much. And I know everybody out there who's listening to this podcast could get a lot from all of your information. So thanks so much for putting it all out there and doing all that work. And thank you for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Anytime, Kim. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, keep up the, the good work with your show. Thank you. So that's my interview with Ian Westerman of Essential Tennis. I really want to thank Ian for talking to me for such a long time and explaining the I-formation and the Australian formation so well. I'm going to be trying those in my doubles game, probably the Australian formation to start with, as Ian explained in the interview. Let me know if you think you might give this a try too. You can do that by going to the show notes for this episode and leaving a comment down at the bottom of that page. And the show notes will be over at tennisfixation.com slash quicktips104. And the show notes for this episode consist of a transcript of this interview, the complete back and forth, all written out. So if you want to look at that more closely, be sure you know exactly how to do the I formation or the Australian formation, especially those hand signals, check out that transcript that's in the show notes. I've also got links in the show notes to the Essential Tennis website, the Essential Tennis podcast, and that YouTube video that Ian mentioned that shows exactly how to do the hand signals. So you may want to look at that before you go out and try to convince your partner to do this with you. Let me know if you enjoyed listening to that interview. I know this episode was a little bit longer, but I really liked talking to Ian so much. So let me know how you feel about it. And let me know if you'd like to hear more interviews in the future. You can go over to TennisFixation.com to find my contact info, or you can leave a comment in the show notes about that, and I'll be sure and see it. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you're having a lot of fun out on the courts and happy tennis.